Bonjour mes beautés. Hello, my beauties. Thank you so much for being here. I think that we have many new people on this call today. So especially to you, welcome, welcome, welcome. Bienvenue. Thanks for being on this call. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of us right now, including me. At some point, I may mute you just depending if there's a lot of background noise coming through, but otherwise I'll I'll just start sharing what I promised to share in this call. And then uh, we'll go over in a very light, very hopefully inspiring, certainly encouraging way, some grammar points. And then we will open it up for Q&A just to let you know ahead of time so you can plan for the Q&A. You can really truly ask me anything. You can ask me anything about my journey getting to France, my life in France. You can ask me about French grammar. You can ask me about French pronunciation. It's really, this is our time together for us to get to know one another, for me to be to be of service to you. So if there's anything that, you know, even anything that I've posted across social media that perhaps piqued your curiosity about a certain topic, really there, you know, you don't have to limit your questions or your comments to what I'm about to share and cover in the call. And that said, also, I love hearing about your experience either with French people or learning French or traveling in France. So please don't feel like, you know, you can only speak up if you have some sort of a question or some comment on something I've said. I'd really love to hear about your experiences too. And I know that everyone else on this call would as well. I will be checking my email just for the next couple of minutes as I begin to share about today's theme, which I'm very excited about, big dreams and little dreams and what my road to France, my journey to France taught me about them. I promise it's not what you think. It it was a lesson that blew me away so much that it really, I think it took me my first year and a half year to really grasp it. So if you're having any problems getting through or with your audio, please don't hesitate to email me at C-A-R-R-I-E-A-N-N-E-J-A-M-E-S at gmail.com. And I will be watching my email for the next couple of minutes. And on that note, feel free to email me after the call and just say hi and let me know what you think. In the calls for the classes, we have more of an opportunity to say bonjour to one another, but for the purpose of these free calls and talks, it's just more efficient to get right into it. So actually, there are quite a few of us on the call now. I am so pleased. Thank you so much for being here with me. Five or six more people just tuned in. So um, because I've done quite a few of these, I know that that's sort of the, now we're at the magic number where background noise may be an issue. So I'm going to mute everyone right now. And that's just a virtual mute. I always feel so rude doing that, but it really is simply for the purposes of keeping the background noise to a minimum, the virtual mute. Okay. Well, most of you, I feel like, know my story right now. I, um, I've been living full-time in France for nearly two years. Actually, there was, a, there was a year leading up to my big move, and I'm going to talk about that a lot today. Um, you know, normally when people ask me, when did you move to France? I, I, I tell them when I got my titre de séjour, my, um, titre de séjour, it's what people commonly call a visa, but it's not technically a visa. And those of you who, who have been through the process of getting a visa, then I know that you're chuckling because you learn, you learn the importance of not talking about your visa at a certain point when you're work, dealing with French administration. You talk about the titre de séjour. Otherwise, things get very confusing because they're two different things. The visa is, is what the consulate in your home country, in your home city, uh, gives you saying that you have the right to then apply for your titre de séjour, which is sort of your, your residency title, your, your temporary residency title, if you will, when you get to France. And those titles, those titres, can be anywhere from one year to I think there's a four-year one now being offered for France. I digress. So normally I just, I, you know, I received my titre de séjour in 
uh, actually, I received the visa from the consulate in San Francisco in October 2015, and I finally received my official titre, my card, my carte de séjour from the prefecture, the police station. I know that sounds weird, but yes, we get that from the police station here. Many magical things take place at the police station in France. And I'm, I'm not being sarcastic because that was a magical day for me in January of 2016. So there was a whole, I mean, really there were years leading up to this move to France. Uh, like, like most people, you know, I was a student here and fell in love with it and always had this dream of, of this, this very fantastic, and I mean that quite literally, fantasy dream of living here one day. But what I really want to talk about is the year leading up to my move, and I want to talk about my first year here in the hopes that I, I clearly articulate uh, what I've learned about, about having dreams, what I've learned about having little dreams, what I've learned about having big dreams, and what I've learned about why having dreams is essential. And there's actually a great French expression, avoir des projets, A-V-O-I-R. And then the second word is D-E-S. And then the last word is P-R-O-J-E-T-S. Literally to have some projects. And this is the French way of talking about making plans or having a vision for the future and it's expression that you it's an expression that you hear a lot in French culture because because that's what we do here I mean that's what we do in life in general but I feel like in France they talk about it a lot you know on a, on a des projets we have plans um, j'ai un projet I, I have plans for un projet being a specific thing so the year leading up to my move to France I had already started French is Beautiful Back then, I was, I was only offering one class called High School Deja Vu. So actually, it was called High School Deja Vu at the time. And my, my dream, my dream, my, my big dream was to teach French on an online platform so that I could reach as many people as possible. I was teaching French one-on-one in Los Angeles. And also, at the same time, not be tied to Los Angeles so that I could spend more time in France. I had this big dream that I was finally going to, I finally had a, a, a projet in mind, a, a project or a plan in mind to make it happen. And I thought, well, this will be wonderful because I can, I can create this online French school. And then maybe I can spend one month out of every six in Paris. I mean, think about that. One, I mean, already one month a year in Paris would be amazing, right? <laughs> One month out of every six, wow. Now leading up to that between being a student and, and moving and, and this year leading up to my move, I, you know, I'd come here quite a bit on vacation. The most I'd ever been here was for, I think there was a two week trip. I want to say, I want to say that it was in 2012, but I'd have to double check that. So that was my big, big dream. And, um, and I started teaching French online in uh, May of 2014. And, um, you know, with, with um, lots of serendipity being introduced to some, some wonderful people that mentored me in marketing and then, and, you know, also just lots of focus and, and, and passion it was rolling. It, it was, you know, things, things were rolling. And so I said to myself, wow, this is, this is incredible. I might actually not have to wait a year to be able to do my first month stay in France. So I said, I said to myself, I'm going to do it for my birthday. My birthday month is November. So this was, this was, this was huge. I talked about it with everyone I knew. I'm going to spend November in Paris. It's going to be amazing. I planned the whole thing. And, uh, and, you know, I, I, um, you know, taken a lot of care by then, by that point to not take on more in-person students in LA, I was working with a lot of junior high and high school students. And one of the reasons I loved working with the younger people so much too, is there's, you know, real emotional connection. So I didn't want to be that tutor that's, uh, you know, not really, that's, that's not there with you by your side as your coach. So I stopped taking on more students so that I could feel, I could really um, lean into the digital business more and feel okay personally about spending a month away. So November comes, I arrive here. 
you know, it's Paris. It's Paris. I arrive on my birthday. I mean, it's just, it's, it's incredible. And I proceed to have just a magical month, um, reconnecting with old friends, but my best friend, Xavier, who you hear me talk about a lot, those of you who are in class with me or have listened to some of these other calls, he's really, you know, he's, he, and also this, the sister from my host family are two of the people that have really, my host family from when I was a student have, have transmitted so much of these nuances of French culture to me. So thanks to the two of them, you know, I, I felt at home. It felt like I'd never left. I was meeting more people. Two weeks into my big month in France, I started to, of course, feel sad about leaving. I can't believe it's halfway over. All the things that we do when we feel like time is not on our side, right? And I remember being in Xavier's kitchen and saying, well, you know, I think I'm going to change my flight. And I look and I did some research and I saw that I can be here on a tourist visa for 90 days out of every 180. So I might try and change my flight for you know, a month later and, and, um, you know, just, just, I'm really enjoying time here and we're heading into the holidays and I don't need to really be able, I don't really need to be in LA, blah, 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 all of the chatter, right. Me justifying what I really wanted to do. And, and Xavier being a wonderful friend and an intuitive person who's known me a long time. I remember, I'll always remember this moment. He just looked at me and he said, do you want to live in Paris? And it felt like the world stopped. I had never, I'd never really asked myself that question. I'd always had this dream and sure I'd said it out loud, but not in a really emotionally connected way. Oh, I'd love to live in Paris one day, but what did I have in mind? I had in mind, you know, moving here one day after I, you know, really flourished in my career in the States and you know, maybe, you know, buying a uh, a small home here in the countryside or an apartment in Paris, a little pied-à-terre, you know, maybe in my like mid fifties, I'd never really asked myself if I wanted to live here as in, as in, you know, as in, in the moment where I was in my life, because I didn't think it was possible. I didn't see how it was possible, especially if I wasn't going to work for a French company and I'd already been an entrepreneur and working as an artist for quite some time. So that wasn't, I didn't picture, you know, going back to, to work in the corporate world for myself. Now here's the interesting thing. The interesting thing is I still didn't know how it was possible, but this huge we came up from somewhere inside of me and I said it out loud and I said, yes, I do want to move here. And I promise you, that was the we heard around the world. And from that moment on, every action I took was really met by, by a, call, it, call it serendipity, call it uh, encouragement from, you know, from, from the universe, call it, call it whatever you want, call it intention being being met with um you know the results that i was seeking but things happened so quickly so i so i decided to extend my ticket i stayed for three months still didn't know how i was going to live here but i just i just felt it i i knew it was right and i felt it was going to happen and making that decision made so many little mini chapters of my life the years leading up to that make make more sense in a way this sort of feeling I was starting to have where I was both in my career and personally in Los Angeles feeling just sort of like ready ready to turn the page just ready to turn the page and and that's and that's also by the way how I made the decision to move from New York to LA and anytime in my life I've made decisions like that listening to that little voice inside of me um, I've always been I've always been met with with um with beautiful surprises. So it's, it's important. It's very important to me that I tell the story correctly because although I was, I felt so sure that I was going to live here. I wasn't forcing anything in France. You know, in French we say, il ne faut pas forcer. You need to let your dreams, your, your projet, your projects breathe. You need to create space for beautiful surprises. And you also need to create space for, evolution of your dreams and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself there 
so 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 voila so there I am um you know there I am in this this amazing moment in my life where I'm still in Paris I'm researching visas things are falling into place the French is we're it's now I've now changed high school deja vu to French is beautiful I'm feeling so lit up and inspired working on you know the social media for it I'm um, you know, drawing more and more people to it. I'm connecting more with the expat community here and things are just really, really moving forward rather quickly and in a way that, and I, and I can't say that things felt easy because I had to have a lot of patience. Things did go rather smoothly because I was so organized. Those of you who are just on the L'Art de Vivre call, you can appreciate the, the fact of being organized. I mentioned that in your text this week. I was very organized. I was very focused. I, I knew what I wanted, and I really felt that this was my next step. So I came back to the States because I had to legally. I uh, worked away on that visa. I made my plans the whole time I was working up to, um, to my um, visa appointment in the fall. I was, you know, setting my life up in California for moving to France, leap of faith. Um, but I just kept thinking to myself, well, when this happens, all of this, all of this, all these logistics need to be in place. And then I came back to France three months later spent the summer here and it just, I mean, it just, it already felt like home by then. Um, you know, I had a, an incredible group of online students. A couple of you are on this call right now. You know how, how grateful I am for you. And, um, and things were happening so fast that I couldn't really appreciate how fast they were happening at the time until, you know, sometime later, which I'll get to in a minute. And then uh, I had my visa appointment, I believe it was in September at the consulate in San Francisco, because by that time I had completely left LA and was just sort of, you know, the, the lady in waiting, living at my family's house in Sonoma County, California, just everything all about this visa appointment. And I had to go back down to LA to get some, you know, take care of some last logistics a couple of weeks after that appointment. And I was at a Kinko's in West Hollywood about to go see my friend, Monica, her husband, Anthony, and their, their beautiful little Francophone daughter that they're raising, Isabelle. Isabella, I always want to say Isabella in French. And that's when I got the email that my, my visa was ready. And it was me. It was a very short, I have to check the dates. Maybe a week later I was on the plane and, and I was back here living in France. And there were, and there are other, other very magical things that happened in that first few months here, you know, winter 2014 to January, 2015. And, and over the course of that year, that I will share more about as, as time goes on, I'm sure it was, it was really a magical, magical year um, leading into an incredible year. But for now, I really just want to keep the conversation to this topic of big dreams versus little dreams. So what is my message for you? Little dreams, little dreams. Sometimes you can use a little dream to put yourself in motion towards your big dream. And it's not, that's not acting out of fear. Sometimes we need to show up for our dreams for life to meet us halfway. And I do believe that that's what happened with my move to Paris and life definitely met me more than halfway. But here's the other thing. Sometimes your big dream is a little dream in disguise. What do I mean by this? Remember at the, at the start of this conversation, I shared with you that my big dream, my big dream, well, I had, you know, two big dreams. One was sort of lofty to maybe when I was 55, live in France. It was very lofty and not very detailed. And because I didn't really, I wasn't really sure how it was going to be possible. I'm not sure I believed in that dream. But in 2013, 2014, my big dream my biggest dream of my life at that point was to be able to spend a month in France every six months. I just 
thought, wow, when that happens, I'm going to, I'm going to feel so bien dans ma peau, good, well in my skin, good about myself. I'm going to feel so like I'm on track. I'm going to feel so connected to my purpose. And I'm going to be living out something that I live in my head so often, which I know all of you, Francophile, can relate to. You know, we're always thinking of Paris and dreaming of Paris. That was my big dream. With, yes, the plan of, you know, maybe one day then, you know, buying an apartment here and having my pied-à-terre. But mes beautés, that was my little dream. That was my little dream, actually, that maybe spending a month here every six months. It was so little that it never happened. But it was that little, that little tiny dream that leaped frogged me into my big dream. And for that, I will always be grateful, always be amazed. And if you had asked me, I had this conversation with someone the other day. Actually, I had this conversation with Jane, the founder of La Cuisine Paris. It's a lovely cooking school on the Quai de la Seine here in Paris. If you haven't heard of La Cuisine Paris, please uh, look at their Instagram, La Cuisine Paris, and uh, check out their website. I've taken their macaron, their macaron class, and it was it was lovely. Just walking into that place makes me feel so hungry. I could eat Thanksgiving dinner even at 11 a.m. on a Tuesday, by the way. Jane's a, a, such a lovely person, another expat, you know, who started a business in Paris. And um, she was asking me about my story and we were sharing each other's uh, stories with one another. And, you know, and I, and I, and I shared, you know, if someone had, if someone had told me three years ago, oh, you know, in, in five years, so mind you, or some, if someone had told me three years ago, in 10 years, you'll be spending half the year in Paris. I would have been impressed by myself. I would have said, wow, that's amazing. And I would have been really excited to, to see how that unfolds. If someone had said to me three years ago, in a year or a year and a half, you will be living in Paris with French is beautiful. I would have said, get out. And you can probably hear me getting a little bit emotional because it's, it's very, it's powerful because it not only shows me how much is possible, but it also shows me how, how, you know, how committed I was to my little dream. And that's a beautiful thing to be committed to any, anything big or small, but I truly had no idea of, of, what French is beautiful of what, of what my journey was capable of becoming. And that's, to me, that's very, very moving, very, very powerful. Never in a million years, I probably would have laughed. And then I would have said, how, how is that possible? But that's what happened. That's, that's what I, that's what happened here. Here we all are today gathered on this call and we're all over the world. I see Oakland, California, Cincinnati, Ohio, Calgary, Dallas, Chestertown, Maryland, D.C., Chicago, San Mateo, two D.C.s, and someone in France, and besides me, two people in France. So what else is important about this? It's also to remember to stay open to surprise, because I could have easily have been afraid, you know, in that moment when Xavier asked me, do you want to, do you want to move to Paris? But I, but, but I spoke, I spoke my truth and life heard me. And most importantly, peut-être maybe I heard myself. I heard myself say oui. So it's important to stay open. I was, I was very committed to my little dream. Granted, I thought it was my big dream then of spending a month here every six months. Um, but I was very committed to that, what turned out to be a little dream but not so much so that I wasn't willing to stay open and let that dream evolve very quickly, actually. And then here's the other thing. Dreams, we have to let them also give birth to new dreams. We have to have dreams. And I know that that may sound trite. That's why this is a topic that I haven't, I haven't talked about before because it's it was very important to me to put something very powerful and very simple terms. We have to have dreams. 
il faut avoir des projets. We must have, you know, plans or visions for the future. That is what, that is what floats us forward with, with, with a beautiful force towards our future. And dreams, I've said this before, but I'm even more convinced of this now. Dreams are not things that we, that we chase. Dreams are things that live with us in our day-to-day. That's why I love this phrase, avoir des projets, because it's, you know, in the present tense, you, you have a project, you have a vision, you are making plans today. Our lives are made up of years, of hours, of minutes, of moments. They're, they're layers of the now. So here's an interesting lesson that I, that I, that I learned, that I was able to start to, to see come, come forth you know, in my, in my vision, maybe after my first year living here, how important it is to have dreams because what do you do? What do you do when a dream so big, you never even would have thought possible, i.e. moving to Paris with your own business comes true. Well, you, you, you're on cloud nine this is my this is my experience. I was on cloud nine, and then at some point I went into a little bit of a shock because it was just so unbelievably beautiful that I wasn't quite sure what was coming next or what was possible next. And so there was a moment where I became a little, a little complacent and too, you know, very, very focused in, 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 um, building everything in the day to day, but not really in a, in a, in a dreamier, loftier, far above sense, because I mean, where, where do you go once you move to Paris? And many of you must, many of you may have seen, it was a while back. So I've been sharing more of my writing on, uh, mainly on um, the Instagram, the Paris Starling. And I was writing about this one day, where does, where does one go after Paris? And my answer is, is inward, inward to how can I embellish this dream or how can I grow this dream or what dream is this dream going to give birth to you? I'm birth to, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I know it might sound I know it might sound a little, I don't know what adjective I would use, but it's, you know, it's a little incredulous. Like here's this woman talking about like, well, what do you do? You know, what do you dream about after your dream of Paris? Moving to Paris comes true, but it's really important. We have to always have dreams because in that moment where I couldn't see the next dream or I couldn't see the evolution of this dream of moving to Paris, there, there was, you know, there was a real, stand still. And I had to ask myself, well, why do I, why do, why do things feel so still inside me right now? Am I still in disbelief that this happened? Do I not have faith that I can, that I can birth something beyond this? Am I, am I afraid of being disappointed by the future after this wonderful peak of moving to Paris? All of those are highly highly probable. So, so what happened? I learned that valuable lesson of the importance of always having a dream. I learned that incredibly valuable lesson of reminding myself, if I feel uneasy with the dream or I feel stressed out, it's likely that the dream that's stressing me out because it feels so big, is just a little dream. And I'm actually capable of so much more it's just that it's beyond my comprehension. And also to remember to, to not let my accomplishments, to, let, to not let our accomplishments, to remember that our accomplishments, here's what it is, our accomplishments and our dreams are not mutually exclusive. We have to give ourselves permission to, to enjoy where we take ourselves to enjoy where life takes us and certainly to enjoy and know that we deserve when our greatest dreams are realized and that we don't we aren't allotted a finite number of dreams in our life right that's why i keep saying dreams evolve dreams birth other dreams so i went inward and explored all of that and 
things are evolving and um, with French is beautiful and, and also with my presence in France. And the point of this call wasn't me for me to, to talk about or announce any of that, but um, just to say that I feel I, I got there. I got, I got hooked in and started to be open to creating the, the tableau or the painting of the, of the, the evolution of the Paris dream. So I hope that that stays with you and that you remember what I just shared. If you ever have a moment of being afraid of maybe not getting something you really want, remember that this thing that you really want might actually be a 10th of actually what this thing, this quote unquote little thing you really want is going to lead you to. And if you ever have a moment in life where maybe you're feeling overwhelmed by how by how blessed or abundant things feel. And, and it's kind of putting you in a bit of a panic as if like, when's the other shoe going to drop or what's next? Check in with yourself, go inward, give yourself permission, just like a child to daydream and dream and, and dream about the endless possibilities because we are all capable of so much and oftentimes so much more than we believe capable. So voila mes beautés, big dreams and little dreams, the Paris edition. So with that, as I, as I exhale to kind of separate between that very personal share and getting into a little bit of grammar, let's talk about in a very light, as I said, in a very light, very encouraging, very simple way, the exceptions to the use of the indefinite article de, D-E-S. If you are in summer French with me this month, we talked about this in your first week of class. So what's an indefinite article? Well, it's de la or du or de. This is how we say some in French. The thing to remember in French is that nouns don't travel alone. So here's a very simple example. I'm going to keep all of these examples rather simple. And then I'm going to open it up to questions and comments and shares. And again, you can ask me about Grammar. You can ask me about life in Paris. You can share with me anything that um, you've experienced in your life that that um, you were reminded of when I spoke about you know my journey here and, and the and the journey upon arriving. Really, 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 it's it's open and relaxed. So, a very simple example of this notion of the indefinite article day and how we use it as some in French is j'ai des amis. G, sorry, J apostrophe A-I, and then D-E-S, that's the day part, and then ami, A-M-I-S, ami, we don't pronounce the S when it stands alone like that because there's no E on the end, right? It's masculine singular, ami. And by the way, when I said sorry, when I said G instead of J, how do we say sorry in that instance in French? We say pardon. And why did I say G instead of J? Because the letter J in French is pronounced J. And as someone with the last name James, this is, this is something, this, this is a little conundrum for me in my daily life. So j'ai des amis. What's the literal translation? I have some friends. What's the figurative translation? I have friends. So in English, we can say I have friends. In French, we cannot say j'ai ami. It has to be j'ai des amis if I want to say that I have friends in general. So when we talk a lot about definite, indefinite articles, you know, with plural nouns, we talk about this de, des. Now, there are some instances, there's an exception to using de de and not de des before plural nouns let's go through some of these we do this with pas de so remember this is how we 
form a negative sentence in French. So, for example, j'ai des amis. I have some friends or I have friends. Je n'ai pas d'amis. I don't have friends. So sad. It's a sad example. Pardon, I'm giving you a sad example. Je n'ai pas d'amis. So because I'm saying pas d'amis, that's why it's D-E, but in this case, actually D apostrophe because ami begins with an A. It's interesting how it's quite complicated to talk about French without seeing it in front of you, right? But it's a, it's a great exercise to stretch you because at some point you are going to, um, you know, really need to exercise a bit of separation between the two. It's what will set you free, certainly from, you know, this attachment to needing to, needing to pronounce every letter like we do en anglais, in English. So, je n'ai pas d'amis. J-E and then N apostrophe A-I, and then D apostrophe A-M-I-S. Je n'ai pas d'amis. Je n'ai pas d'amis. Now, what if I want to say, I have lots of friends. I have a lot of friends. Well, when we're expressing quantity with phrases like beaucoup de, a lot of, or assez de, enough of, or un kilo de, a kilo of, or moins de, less of, or pas mal de, quite a few of, or une boîte de, a box of. When we're using these, these expressions of quantity before a plural noun, same thing. We do not say de, we say de. Now, attention, attention, because there is an exception to the exception, of course. I'm only going to say this once because I don't want to overcomplicate it. It is not complicated. The exception would be if we're talking about something very specific that is specified by a longer phrase, a longer part of the phrase that comes after it. So let me give you an example. If I want to say, I have a lot of friends. J'ai beaucoup d'amis. J'ai beaucoup d'amis. J apostrophe A-I and then B-E-A-U-C-O-U-P and then D apostrophe A-M-I-S. J'ai beaucoup d'amis. Okay, so this exception I just mentioned, let me give you an example of it, and hopefully it will be, actually not hopefully, I know it will be really clear. So remember what I said, we would only use des, D-E-S, if we're talking about something specific that we literally in that moment specify further in that sentence. So what if I wanted to say a lot of the friends that I met or no, we'll say I met. Well, let's say that I made a lot of the friends that I made in France speak English. So now I'm not just saying beaucoup d'amis, a lot of friends. I'm saying a lot of the friends that I made in France speak English. I would say beaucoup des amis que j'ai fait en France parlent anglais. Beaucoup des amis que j'ai fait en France parlent anglais. So now in this example, I'm saying a lot of the friends. So in this way, it's very similar to English, right? So things like beaucoup de plus de, assez de, combien de, which means how much of, plus de means more of, the opposite of moins de, which means less of, right? Or un kilo de, a kilo of, une douzaine de, a dozen of, une centaine de, one hundred of, that une centaine de. We use de even when it's before a plural noun, 
so long as we're not then going on to specify or give more detail about that specific noun, so long as we're not then saying in English of the, right? There's one important exception. So la plupart de, this means, you know, the majority of. This we do use day. This is an, an exception to the exception. Of course, we love these layers of exceptions in French. We love it. It's like peeling away the onion. So la plupart des gens, the majority of people, not la plupart de gens. You would say beaucoup de gens. But la plupart is an exception, so we'd say la plupart des gens. And what is the best way to study these exceptions? Say them out loud, write them down again and 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 again until they just feel right, they sound right. La plupart des gens, la plupart des amis, la plupart des poètes, the majority of poets, I don't know where I got that from, la plupart des poètes. Uh, la plupart des weekends, most weekends, right? So we've talked about using de, the exception de instead of de when it comes to quantity. We've talked about it when it comes to negation. There's one more example that I want to talk about with you, and it's with plural nouns that are preceded by an adjective. So in these instances, we would also omit the de, des, and use a de, de. Par exemple, I could say, nous sommes devenus, we became, des amis intimes. We became intimate friends. Nous sommes devenus des amis intimes. Des amis intimes, D-E-S-A-M-I-S. Two words, but it sounds like one because I'm making the liaison. As two separate words, they're pronounced des amis, but together, how we speak in French, des amis, right? Okay, so it's amis intimes. It's a plural noun followed by an adjective. What happens if I put an adjective before a plural noun? And again, those of you in summer French, we've been talking about adjectives, so... Relate this, please, back to your adjective placement lesson. So instead of nous sommes devenus des amis intimes, what if I said nous sommes devenus de bons amis? So now I have bons amis, B-O-N-S, means good, right? Plural, masculine, amis, same amis, A-M-I-S. But now I'm saying de bons amis because that adjective is coming before the noun. It's not nous sommes devenus des bons amis. Nous sommes devenus de bons amis. So there you have the three exceptions. The pas de with negation before a plural noun. The using uh, expressions of quantity. Beaucoup de, assez de, moins de, un kilo de, trop de. Assez de, except the exception, la plupart des, before a plural noun, and then this rule of adjectives coming before a noun. So instead of nous sommes devenus des amis intimes, nous sommes devenus de bons amis. Et voilà, mes beautés. So I think what makes that potentially <laughs> overwhelming is the layers within layers of the exceptions. But if you can find a way to step back and focus on specific, simple examples, if you can find the logic behind it, which I just showed you with this particular exception, when we use de, de before a plural noun, where normally we would use de, des, that is really going to serve you well for two reasons. That's going to help you to understand the through line of the grammar. And also, it's just going to put you at ease. It's going to alleviate any sort of frustration. It's going to preclude any sort of resistance to embracing this, this grammar. It's not even really a rule. It's a grammar story or a grammar storyboard. And that's one of the big things that we need to really become comfortable with when, 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 I'm not even going to say when learning French, when speaking French, when writing French, is we need to become comfortable with the fact that it's, it, it's a bit of a complex game with many layers. 
And it's not like English in that way, and it will never be like English. And that's why we love it, right? So, Maker, my hearts, I am going to unmute you now. Um, my job here is to moderate the conversation, to field questions. So, you know, please don't feel rude if two of you end up speaking up at the same time. I'll moderate the discussion the question fielding, uh, we're all very très poli, very polite people here. So you don't worry about that. That's my job as the coach. I'm unmuting everyone now. And uh, here we go. All right, we're unmuted. And again, please feel comfortable sharing or asking or commenting. I love doing these free calls because it gives me an opportunity to chat with the people that I already know. It also helps me to, to really know which, which you all are seeking or needing on your French journey. And it gives me a really beautiful opportunity to meet and connect with new francophiles and aspiring francophone or people who already are francophone. I'm really impressed by the places that we have covered on this call today, especially on a Saturday, Saturday morning for many of you. Thank you so much for being with me here right now. So, if there aren't any questions or comments, that's completely okay. But I'm going to do sort of a, this is your, your last call. In the interim, I'm going to share with you one of my favorite, favorite quotes. It was actually on my Facebook page years ago when Facebook was brand new. I'm just pulling it up. And it's about this. For me, it's a combination of, you know, moving with your dreams and avoir des projets kind of encompasses all of it. Let me just pull it up and that'll give you opportunity to une citation is how we say a quote in French. Une citation, a citation. C I T A T-I-O-N. It's a full ami, an example of some, a word that looks the same in both languages, in English and in French, but does not mean the same thing. Those are great things to learn to improve your vocabulary quickly and also to avoid sometimes funny, interesting mistakes. Um, okay, here we go. This is actually from his film Alphaville. And another thing, another note on that word, citation, a really great cheat for learning um, the gender of French nouns is, you know, learning these rules that there are some rules in French that rarely, rarely, rarely have exceptions. And one of these is that uh, words that end in ION are generally feminine, féminin. Okay, so this is from Alphaville. This is a, uh, from that really beautiful monologue. Il suffit, I'll do it in, in French and then I'll do it in English. Il suffit d'avancer pour vivre, d'aller droit devant soi vers tout ce que l'on aime. I love this quote so much. Let me say it again in French and then I'll do English. Il suffit d'avancer pour vivre, d'aller droit devant soi, vers tout ce que l'on aime. So it suffices to advance in order to live, or, or, it's, or it's sufficient to, to move forward in order to live. To go straight ahead before you towards all that you love. It's sufficient to advance or to move forward in order to live, to go straight ahead before yourself towards all that you love. And of course, I can relate that to, you know, moving towards 
my love of Paris, but I really love this too because it shows so much about French culture. It ties in with this this notion of avoir des projets to to really be in the moment, meaning you know really know what you love, but to be also creating in the moment to propel you forward. It's not. It's less about getting to a certain destination. Uh, French people are really great about having patience, patience, and uh, and I think that's why they appreciate. Uh, being organized and, uh, you know, keeping a good work-life balance or a good balance in general of life and, um, you know, having projects and having that projects or having projet, dreams, visions, and letting them pull them forward and inspire them, but also, you know, really celebrating the creation of them in the moment. Donc, voilà, mes coeurs. If there are no comments or questions, now would be the last call. Okay, then I will wrap up this call. Thank you so much for spending my early Saturday evening in Paris with me. I'm grateful to spend your your samedi matin, your Saturday morning with you. Uh, for those of you who I have in class, I'll talk to you soon, either on a call or on the Facebook page or by email. For those of you who aren't in class but have thought about taking class with me and maybe wondered what uh, taking class with me is like, this is, um, this is, this is, actually a very accurate representation of what it's like to be with me in class. So enjoy the audio. I will send it out tomorrow. If any of it uh, resonated with you or you have questions about the grammar, feel free to send me an email. My next class starts September 9th. It's called Comprehensive, Comprehensif. It's the essentials of French in four weeks. It's all online. There's an amazing Facebook group starting for it. There are live coaching calls. There are videos in Paris. There are audios. There's a really dense text and uh, there are daily quiz emails even Monday through Friday. And I would be ravi. I would be thrilled if you joined me. Donc, je vous embrasse. I kiss you. That's sort of the French way of saying like, you know, I'm, I'm sending you affection Et je vous souhaite un très beau samedi and I wish you a very beautiful Saturday.